You're listening to Review and Preview on Facebook Live. Welcome back to another edition of Review and Preview, everybody. I'm your host for tonight's show, Kyle Russo, sitting alongside my co-host, James Montefusco. James, how are you doing tonight, man? Not bad. Yourself, Kyle? I'm doing well, man. A little tired. I know we were talking backstage a little bit. You're a little tired as well. Very, yep. very busy, the both of us, but excited to be back on the program. Got a lot of content to produce tonight. Got a lot to talk about, as always, James, in the worldwide world of sports. I think that's correct, right? Something that like sounds that. correct. Something like it that. Sounds yeah, correct. We'll go with it. It sounded, it sounded intelligent, right? But James, yeah. we got a lot to talk about. But first, before I get into anything, for those of you tuning in tonight, obviously we have many different platforms to subscribe to. Obviously on Facebook Live at Review and Preview Sports. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram, as well as anchor.fm slash Review and Preview. We also have an up and rising YouTube account. Uh, I believe we're around 100 subscriber, James. I don't know if we've hit it yet. I don't Are know if we've we? hit it yet. So. Let me check. I haven't checked I don't in a know if we've days. hit it yet, but make sure to go subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. It's where we, we need, produce all of our content. We're, what at, was 98, that we're at 98 we're subscribers. At 98. So those of you listening, make sure to go subscribe to our YouTube channel as well at Review and Preview Sports. And James, with that, that being said, we're going to get right into it. Our first topic of discussion tonight, the New York Giants. The New York Oof. Giants, James. We Oof. were we were watching this game on Thursday night, right? And we were texting the three of us, uh, myself, yep. you, and, and Tom. And it's it's just incredible, man. It's just incredible. It's just a loss for words. It was the most Giants way of losing a football game. It, it was almost – it was a storybook written event and it completely unfolded how it's happened in the past. You know, the thing that reminded me the most of it was the Philadelphia game last year. A couple years back, that game-winning field goal by Graham Gano, who at that point in time was on the Carolina Panthers, mm-hmm. 63 yards to break Giants fans' hearts. And then once again, I believe in that same year against the Eagles where Jake Elliott kicked a game-winning field goal. And James, what are your, James, what are your thoughts on this game, man? It's just absolutely – it's it's mind boggling to me that we're sitting here today after what we witnessed on Thursday, and it, it's just depressing. It, it's not even exciting to think about. It's it's frustrating only because we look at the opportunities we had to score and make big plays out of that. Penalties hurt us. Costly mistakes hurt us. Being wide open down the field and not able to get the ball, not able to catch the ball in the end zone, should have dove for that. It was, boy, I mean, it was a good game. It was one of probably the most exciting Thursday night games they had in a while, in my opinion. Um, Washington looks pretty good. 
Um, Daniel Jones stayed in the pocket a lot longer than I expected him to. Usually he's either hitting the ground, throwing the ball away, or fumbling the ball. Um, listen, I enjoyed it. It was I enjoyed watching the game. I did not enjoy the outcome of the game, of course. Um, it did, at certain points, the memories of what Kyle was referencing nearly, what was it, three years ago now? The Eagles well, game. No, the Philly game, the Philly game was last year. The last Philly year, game was okay. last year, so that was heartbreaking. That's fresh in the minds it? of Giants fans. The Atlanta game, maybe? I forget. Whatever team that kicked the 63-yard, I was watching at work. I, I, I was checking score updates, and I started the clip at work way back when. Um, but man, too many costly errors and which doesn't make sense. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. And as simply stated, James, good teams don't make mistakes. And that's how you define this Giants team, right? Uh, uh, To be specific about this, they had 11 penalties for 81 yards. You're not going to win a football game that way. Let's hear Russo's take on Daniel Jones, PFF Offensive Player of the Week. Tom, I'll be straight with you. Daniel Jones, I think this was the best game of his career, hands down. It's not even a competition. The fact that he was able to have protection in a game where you had lost Nick Gates, and actually from what it looked like, it looks like, James, they found the formula for this offensive line. Oh, yeah. Like, Washington has one of the top defenses, at least uh, defensive fronts, in all of football. And the Giants' offensive line looked like they had been playing together for years. The way that they played between Andrew Thomas, Ben Bredden, uh, Bill Price there, Nate Solder, and Will Hernandez. They looked fantastic. It's something that I don't think those words in the sentence of Giants' offensive line have ever been put together. Maybe since 2010. It was the last time those words have been put together. But they looked great. And they gave Daniel Jones the protection that he needed to get in order to perform at a high level. Daniel Jones, Tom, we've been through this numerous times. Daniel Jones plays good against this team. That's a fact, right? He he was 4-0 coming into that game against the Washington football team. Every other team, he's 4-20. He's got to do it against other teams. Did he have a tremendous performance? Absolutely. And I'll even go as far to say, that he carried the team solely on his back. Because Saquon wasn't doing much. The, the the receiving yards is deceiving. Out of those yeah. 57 rushing yards, 41 of them came on a singular run. The receiving was, was good. But Daniel Jones was really the lights-out player in that game. He was absolutely tremendous between running the football for almost 100 yards and a touchdown, between throwing uh, – around, I want to say around 55 completion percentage, which isn't great, but but 250 yards passing and a touchdown. And this was the first game, James, really, uh, maybe one – I'm trying to think. This is one, maybe four games in which Daniel Jones hasn't had a fumble or interception in. I mean, that's something to applaud, uh, really. It's sad to say, but that's something to essentially applaud, considering – what the offensive line was like going to the game, right? It is one of the worst offensive lines in all of football. Mm-hmm. Being that this is a guy that is turnover prone just the week prior, 40 total turnovers in his career in 27 NFL starts, 27 NFL games. This is this was a big game for him. But my take on it is he's got to do it against another team. And if you don't want to do it against another team, it's just got to be consistent. 
if Daniel Jones can do this week in and week out, you know how many games the Giants would win, essentially? This game was an exception because the defense just played absolutely terrible. It was not a very disciplined football game by the New York Giants by any stretch of the imagination. But based on how he's played, and James, you watched the team last year, how great that defense was. Can you imagine if Daniel Jones was playing like he did against Washington combined with the fact of what the defense did last year? They would have made the playoffs. Yeah, they would They would have made the playoffs. But he's got to do it consistently. So as much as we want to applaud this one performance, let's see what you do next week. Nick Gates and Shane Lemieux both placed on IR. Team is hopeful Lemieux can return at some point this season. Yeah, I don't know if you guys saw it as well. Um, Nick Gates on Instagram, he posted he's already walking after after leg surgery, having leg surgery, what? which is just absolute insanity. Just That's insanity. Uh, epitome of built different, right, James? Just built different. But, you know, I don't I don't expect him to be back this season. Uh, just too gruesome of an injury. Obviously, it's an extended season, no doubt. But if we come December and January when we're still playing football games and the Giants are already out of it, I don't really see the purpose to rush him back. I, I wouldn't do it if, if I was I, I wouldn't do it either because you ultimately have to look at the future of these guys. You have to look at the future of the team that – if we're nowhere close in it with a shot of pushing the playoffs, or if we already clinched a playoff spot, yes, then okay. If they're ready to return, they come back. But there's going to be no point if they're ready to return within the last two to three weeks and we're nowhere close or have no chance. Why would you risk another injury? Yeah. Just get the full year, get healthy, come back next season. Next season, you know, we always say next season is going to be different, but. I wouldn't push somebody after that gruesome of an inju- inju- injury, especially being on the offensive line. No, I wouldn't either. And not only considering that it was on the offensive line, but James, if you remember, probably the best player on that offensive line last year going into this season was Nick Gates. Yep. Oh, so yeah. if that's the guy that's going to lock down your middle for the future, do not rush well, him back, especially if you're completely out of it. That that, that would be my I'll suggestion. Agreed, agreed, agreed. agreed. James, a, a little deeper dive into this game. This game was – the epitome of a roller coaster, right? The Giants looked absolutely incredible. They they really did. They looked they looked great. They looked like they've never looked before. We're going from last week against the Denver Broncos to people calling for Jason Garrett's head and saying, "Where's the creativity in this offense?" And you're seeing just uh, the creativity absolutely explode on the oh, field yeah. between driving down the field 80 yards on the first opportunity. And granted, they went into halftime. They were down. Don't get me wrong. They were down. Mm-hmm. Which is so more opportunities to score in which the Giants just unfortunately could not cash in on just because of simple mistakes. And, and again, some things did have to do with the, ref- the referees. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But a decent majority is refing is part of the game. Control your own mistakes as much as you could possibly do. And the mm-hmm. Giants didn't necessarily do that. Uh, no. What I'm alluding to, obviously, you know, the Daniel Jones run for around 45, 50 yards, right, into the end so, zone. Yeah. Got called back because C.J. Board holding William Jackson. Gets called back. The Giants, instead of cashing in on a seven-point opportunity, they only are able to cash in on a field goal by Graham Gano, who, by the way, has made, uh, I don't even know how many consecutive field goals. I think it's in the 30s or something 30 like that. Something, Troy. 30-something consecutive, like consecutive field goals, five of five in that game against the Washington football team last Thursday. Right. Probably one of the Giants' best offensive players at this point. When 
he kept going when they kept going for field goals. You know, the the broadcasters, of course, like, oh wow, he has he's Hank says thirty five consecutive. Thank you, Hank. Um, whole ball as well. Um, check him out on hitting for the cycle tomorrow. Um, but when they kept saying, oh he they they're going for a field goal, whatever. Oh, he hasn't missed thirty something kicks or whatever. I'm like, you guys are really trying to jinx him right now, like. Come on, yeah. Like I, yeah. I, as a fan, I want to win this game. Like, but you know, that's just—I mean—that's great for him to have as Hank says, thirty-five consecutive field goals. He is um a monster. My buddy Nick Tonks, you—you've met him virtually, I think, before, yeah, um, no, yeah. or in person. Tom's met him in person, I think. Um, and. He's. This is the first time he's doing fantasy, and he texts me. He's like, "I have Grand Gano, and he like he, he is. I'm going to win because of him." If this was Thursday, obviously before the uh, the before Sunday's Sunday game, yeah. but he's like, he already gave me nine points. He's in a Yahoo League. I don't know how it works um, on his what his fantasy is, but he's like, "Yeah, I already have nine points from like lucky." Yeah, but. Back to the game, you know, the penalty by C.J. Board, you know, really costly. Obviously, down the stretch, we we saw how costly it actually was. The Darius Slayton missing end zone just completely reminded me immediately of the same play, essentially, Evan Ingram last year in Philly, where yep. all you got to do is get that first down, and the game is over. They turn the ball back over to Philly. Philly winds up winning the football game. And then, of course, the last play of the game, James. The Washington football team, Dustin Hopkins, misses the field goal, but Dexter Lawrence is called for an offsides. They get an opportunity to re-kick, and they win the football game. Unacceptable. Just an absolutely gut-wrenching game. It's just an absolutely gut-wrenching game. And don't get me wrong, the Giants did a lot of things good in this game. Did. I'm, I'm really liking how I'm seeing the Giants use Sterling Shepard in this offense. He's become a tremendous yes. weapon. He's become a tremendous yes. weapon for them. I'm liking the addition of Kyle Rudolph. Uh, a lot of great yardage from him uh, against Washington. But some of the bad things I want to go over a little bit. Even though Daniel Jones, I, I think that he probably had the best game of his career. You're, see, you're still seeing the same mistakes. Washington recorded four sacks against them. Two of those sacks were not his fault, but two of them were. No. And we were texting back and forth. It's because you're holding on to the football for too long. Yeah, you just got to give up on the play. Just give up on the play. You're losing yardage, and you're taking your team out of a position to score, essentially. And you're ending a drive sooner than should be, and giving the team the other, giving the team the ball back, and gassing out your defense. Which I was surprised they didn't do. The Giants actually won time of possession. But other things to go over as well. James Bradbury essentially was a lockdown corner for us last year. Yep. Did not have a good night. Did no. not have a good night. Very. No, no, no. Probably one of his worst nights in a Giants uniform, uh, allowing Terry McLaurin to get the best of him. 11 receptions, 107 yards, and a touchdown. It's just it's unacceptable, especially when you look at Washington, essentially, in terms of receiving game. Yeah. It really, it, it really starts and ends with Terry McLaurin. You know, you talk about the tight end and Logan Thomas, who they actually played very well against. Uh, Antonio Gibson had a decent game, don't get me wrong, but in terms of the, rece- uh, the receiving game, in terms of pass coverage, you can't let that happen. You no. just cannot let that happen. And you cannot let Taylor Heineke, who 
Don't get me wrong. I've advocated for the guy. I think that he oh, gives yeah. Washington a whole nother level of chance to potentially compete and win the division. But you cannot make him look like a star quarterback, and that's essentially what the Giants defense allowed them to do, completing 32 of 46 pass attempts, 336 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. You can't let that happen if well, you're the, Washington, uh, the New York Giants football team. I like how you bring up the defense because John Suggs has a comment here. How many years have the Giants started 0-2? Granted, Daniel Jones looked good last game, but defense is trash, and I do not see them moving the needle this year. John, uh, I think I said this earlier, the Giants for the fifth year in a row, fifth year in a row, they start 0-2. 0-2. And you're right, he did look good last game, but like you said, the, the defense did not look good. Probably the only bright spot on the defense was Aziz Ojolari, who is now the first rookie in Giants history to record a sack in the first in each of his first two games uh, in the NFL. So that was mm-hmm. essentially the only bright spot of this defense for the New York Giants. Otherwise, not so much. Really not so much out of this defense. No. no and, it's, and it becomes really nerve-wracking as well, James, for me with this defense is because essentially we're looking at this team two games now. They have no pass rush. No. They cannot get to the quarterback. And you paid Leonard Williams $21, $22 million to be a guy that can give you 10 sacks a year, and it just does not look – and obviously, listen, we have 15 games left in the season. A lot can change. But right now, this team has zero pass rush whatsoever outside of Aziz Ojolari. Yeah, they couldn't get to the quarterback no matter what, which is kind of scary. Um, I just don't get why we – I mean, we improve on the pass rush. Yeah, we signed Williams, but right now he hasn't shown me anything that he finished off last season with. Nope. I expected him to be up in the quarterback's face, especially against Washington. Didn't do that. You, you just—it's just disgusting. Yep, it's disgusting. It's, it's, plain and simple. It's not good, and it's uh, another brutal loss for the Giants. As I said earlier, zero two again for the fifth year in a row. And, and James, I have to pose this question at this point because five years in a row. The Giants being one of the worst teams in football. I actually have a fun fact later oh, when we finish talking about the Jets as well. Oh, all right. Fine. As long as it's around the Jets, that's fine. They look like trash. Well, too. it's co- it's combined between the two teams. They actually share this terrible stat. But Okay, that's fine. That Listen, continue. But, but who's essentially to blame for this loss? And who? what is essentially the problem with this team at this point? You know, because I mean, it seems like it, it seems like every week it's something else, right? Every week, it's something else. There, there's nothing else to – it's like almost – it's almost a bad thing to point finger at somebody because it's it's everything. It's something different every single week. Oh, I agree. What? So the way I see this is you might think I'm far-fetched. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This might just be me having my head spinning right now because I don't even know – Russo, I don't even know how I'm on the show. I walked yeah. out of work at 6 o'clock, got home, had to do something for the family, and on this show right now. I don't know how I made it, but besides that, they're a complete disaster, like how I came home today. Yeah. Leaving work, rushing home, coming home, oh, you got to do this quickly for me, James, and sitting my butt down in this chair to talk to you, tenant, and you, you viewers. Realistically, I don't think it – I think the leadership from Joe – I think that's fine. I think it's 
everybody around. Uh, the captains I'm cool with. I think it's the execution of plans. Meaning, if, for example, um, Lamar, Sunday night's game, no, Monday, Monday whatever, night's Lamar, yeah. yeah. Oh, no, actually, you're right, Sunday night's game, Sunday, Sunday my night's game. They went, we're like, you want to go for it? Lamar wanted to go for it, Jackson. Yeah. He, they were on the same page. This team is not on the same page at all, in my opinion. Yeah. No, it's not. You it's have not, a few yeah. guys on the same page, and some aren't. They all need to get on the same page. The fact is that he was offsides when the field goal was kicked and completely missed and then brought them closer and won the game. Yeah. You have to be on the same page. You have to know it's fourth down or third down with X amount of time on the clock. They could win this. You have to know where you – you all have to be on the same page. Each player, I understand, is responsible for their own self on that field, whether it be defensive, linebacker, any – whatever position. But you – as the team as a whole also have to be on the same page, realizing say if Shepard's out of line, like Shepard, you you shouldn't be standing like two feet away from me. You should be 15 feet away from me. Yeah. They have to realize, I know it's not their route to run or their place to call, but everybody needs to be on the same page, which I don't think they are. It I, might look I, like that on the field at times, but I don't think they fully are. And I, I agree with you. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. It's all about execution. And that's the difference between a good football team and a bad football team is that a good football team executes, completes, and comes home with a W. And the Giants, just for years now, they, they have not been that, as they have been 0-10 to start the season's last five years in a row. Combined 0-10 for 10 in the first two weeks of football, the last five weeks in a row. Uh, and signed defensive back, Stephen Hart, huge improvement. Again, John, who, who knows if he'll even essentially make the team. You know, yeah. we'll, we'll see if he even gets called up from the practice squad. But, and and, and, yeah, half team wants Jason Garrett out of town. And, John, you actually bring me to my next point. This was probably Jason Garrett's best well-called game. Yeah. And, and, you know, we're seeing Kenny Galladay yelling at Jason Garrett. Everybody thought it was Daniel Jones. Kenny, uh, Kenny Galladay comes out and says that, no, it was actually he was yelling at Jason Garrett. And I don't know really whether to blame him or not. Again, stats are deceiving. He he only had three receptions. He was targeted eight times. Like so that, that's that's a decent amount considering you're the number one receiver. Yeah, you know you're being covered the most as the number one receiver, and you were targeted eight times. And granted, there were some bad throws by Jones to him, mm-hmm. and there were some tough catches for him to make. One specifically, he should have caught. I was actually surprised he didn't catch. But you're being targeted eight times. And I get the fire underneath him, you know, being that he probably is the one of the best offensive players that we have, especially at the receiving position. Mm-hmm. Get him the football. The oh, Giants yeah. just did not do that. They just did not get him the football. And I don't blame him for getting angry. And another guy that got angry on the receiving uh, core, receiving roster, Kadarius Tony, And another guy I don't blame at all. After the game, post, you know, the, the it's lame, you know, wh- whatever, not getting him the football. He has two receptions for negative two yards in his first two games as a New York Giant. He didn't even have a reception in this game against Washington. And it's crazy to even say that to, for these words to be coming, you know, out of my mouth and to see it unfold on the field because this is a team that traded back, drafted this guy in the first round mm-hmm. uh, 
bragged about how electric and how elusive and how great he could be in this offense, and you don't even use him? Like, what are you doing? Which, how does that not become a part of your game plan? I don't know if it's Garrett or if it's Jan- Daniel Jones' comfortability around these guys. I only say that because Shepard and Slayton are his, right now, at least I can see, his two main targets. Yeah, He's always finding Shepard, and then he's going to Slayton for the big balls, as we saw that completely he didn't catch. I don't know if it's comfortability factor in it, that he's not comfortable yet. I don't know what goes on in practice where they need more reps with each other. I just don't – I don't know what goes on behind the scenes, but all I do know is you trade a back for a guy, you should – he should be somewhere, I would say – up high to get to get him the ball. These guys you aren't bringing over for cheap. I I unless a lot of this play stuff. Maybe I'm thinking about it now. We have Rudolph at tight end. Yeah. Usually you have Evan Ingram. So maybe more of these plays were designed when Evan Ingram is in the field to get some of those other guys the ball. I don't know. Yeah, but James, that doesn't even even that, and I'm not looking to destroy the point here, but it doesn't make sense because you're basically saying then they're not prepared for the game because Evan Ingram oh. wasn't only available in this game, he wasn't available to start the season either. So that shouldn't even be a factor because he wasn't available. He's not healthy. It, it comes down to this, it, you know, and I said this before, good yeah. teams execute. Yeah. Bad teams don't. Yeah. And again, because I'm going to say this as well. I love Joe Judge. I yeah. love the way he rallies his team. I love the way he talks. But you could do that all you want. You mm-hmm. have to execute. You have to execute. Because right now, the Giants are last place again in the division. They're wanting the laugh- one of the laughing stocks in the NHL. Uh, NFL. NHL. NFL. In the NFL. Yet. In the NFL. And it doesn't look like there's any horizon for them to furthermore improve and get better. Because we're sitting here now for the second week in a row trying to distinguish what is the problem with this football team. Two years in a row, they've done great in the draft. Two years in a row, they've done great in free agency. Why is this team – why does this team look like they can't win more than four games in a season? Why do they look the way that they do? Why does it look like, like you said, that they're not all in at the same time? They're not in, on the same page. I don't want to hear, you know, James, when you're saying that it's not comfortable. I don't want to hear that. I, I don't want to hear that because I, we've seen guys. I, I was talking last week about it on the show. I know you weren't there. You know, how, how we were giving an excuse to Daniel Jones and how we were saying, uh, you know, oh, he didn't have a training camp last year. and. Oh, you know, COVID ruined, uh, you know, a lot of opportunity. Teams were watching last year, James, especially at the quarterback position. I'm not looking to, you know, taunt Daniel Jones here, but just as a team perspective, just as a position in general, Joe Burrow comes into the league with no training camp because of COVID. Justin Herbert comes into the league with no preparation because of COVID. Even Tua, who, who, again, hasn't been phenomenal, but I would say has been better than Jones has been. Those three guys all didn't have a training camp because of COVID-19. So I don't want to hear about my quarterback's not comfortable after now three seasons in the NFL. 
if you're not comfortable yet, then something's something's a problem. Something is a problem. Um, I do want to get to a few comments here, Kyle. Yeah. Um, because John Suggs makes a great point here. Um, they need to use Kyle Rudolph more. Dude rarely drops the ball and less and six less targets in that game. Twelve point seven port versus twelve point five average yards between Galladay and Rudolph. Um, that's disgusting. Um, to hear as Galladay is a top wide receiver. Um, yeah. Rudolph should get more targets, um, but to be within that same category as a tight end, where a tight end sometimes gets you some games, some doesn't. Kyle, we all know that either, uh, unless you're uh, Gronk, which will get the ball almost every down. Um, but yeah, that's that's a disgusting stat. Um, and then he also follows up with Blake Martinez. Yeah, last season, yeah, last off season, that was yep. a great pickup. But back to the Kyle Rudolph point. Kyle Rudolph is more of a red zone target. Mm-hmm. That was helped to furthermore improve the offense in the red zone because, James, as you know, within the 20-yard line and the opponent's 20-yard line last year, they were awful. So that's probably why That's not why, That's not probably why they're not working him into that aspect of the game that much. Yeah. I think that they should use him definitely, but, again, just hasn't been the case. And I think that we've covered a lot of the points that I wanted to talk about with this Giants team. You know, what can they improve upon? You know, we talked about what happened with this game. So now we put week two – in the rearview mirror, James, unless you have one final point. I, I do have one final point. Yeah. Um, to, to, after this point, we'll move on from the Giants. Um, the amount of flags that game, I don't know what was going on. Was it like a flag fest? Like what, what was going yeah. on? Oh, it, yeah. Like a foul Last, every other... the, the, the fourth quarter, if you remember what happened, um, I think Darius Slayton missed the catch. Yep. The next play, Andrew Thomas went offside. Yep. The next play, Nate Solder went offside. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot eight sort of went offside. And I think they kicked themselves out of a field goal position. Yeah. Yeah, That, that so the, the flex. That's what I'm saying. Nobody's on the same page. Yeah. No, it just it did, it did not look – it did not look pretty out there for the Giants. But, again, put that game week two. Now 0-2 again, fifth year in a row. Put that game in the rearview mirror. The Giants play Atlanta this weekend, James. And, again – you know, uh, I'm asking here for game predictions, and I know that on our quick picks specifically, I filled them out already. I picked the Giants. But the more and more I evaluate, looking at Atlanta this past weekend especially, uh, because they did not come out hot in week one against Philly. They lost 35-6, to six, I believe. But yeah. against Tampa Bay, although the struggle continues on defense, offensively they were there. Offensively they were competing in that game. Defensively not so much. Offensively they were. Yep, And that worries me as a Giants fan because of the fact that we've seen two weeks in a row now this team has given up a tremendous amount of points on defense. They've given I, I have 27 in the first game, right? And now 30 in the second game. 57 yeah. points in two weeks. That it, it can't happen. It can't happen. And with weapons like Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts, a, a versatile tight end, who, James, you know the stigma with the Giants defense is they already can't cover tight ends. They – let tight ends it's disgusting on how they just I think me you might be able to cover tight ends better than they can. Not a, listen, I don't want to go that far. I they probably would not be pretty for me either <laughs> either. They would have a three hundred yard day on me alone. But <laughs> but it just again, I, I'm going with the Giants here. I'm going with the Giants. I do not want them to lose on Eli Manning's retirement day. That would well, just That's right. That would throw more salt in the wound, going 0-3 to start the season again, because we did that last year as well. I don't want to see that happen. 
because 0-2, it's already very, very difficult to come back from that. 0-3, you might as well close up the season, especially considering they haven't even played their toughest of opponents yet. These were games that we were talking about that the Giants could win in a game like Denver and the Giants could win in a game like Washington. Washington. And now a game in Atlanta, who now we are questioning if they can win this game against Atlanta, who notoriously the past four years in a row have, while their offense is tremendous, their defense blows them the game every single time. Yeah. So with that being said, I'm going to go with the Giants here. I know we got Tom's uh, prediction on the game right here. Giants 27-20. I'm going to say that the Giants beat them as well. I'm going to give it a score of I'm going to give it a score of 23 to 23 to 20. I'm going to say 23 to 20. I think Graham Gano is huge in this game. I think it comes right down to the wire, and he's the one that saves the day for the Giants. Well, so another nail biting game on Eli Manning's retirement day. Um, yep. Let's go with. All right. Either. 14, 17, 14 Giants. All right. So a little low scoring of a game. The Giants hold them own, uh, hold their own, contain the offense a little bit. I like it. Listen, I hope to see that. We hope to see that. We hope to see that some spark second half of the season last year. Uh, the way the Giants defense played, we hope to see that return uh, once again. But at this point in time, uh, not so much, especially considering that the Giants, again, have not even played the most dominant of offenses yet. Uh, offenses yet to come, like the L.A. Rams, who they have coming up, like Not the Chargers, who they have coming up, like we, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who they have coming up. Well, we also have Kansas City. <laughs> and Kansas City. You yep. saw what they do. We saw uh, Lamar and uh, um, Mahomes go at it. Yep. Just think Mahomes plays against our defense? Yeah. <sighs> yeah. I don't want to think about that right now. We'll talk about that loss in a few weeks. But anyway, moving right. on. As we talked a solid 35 minutes about the Giants. Love to see it. Zach Wilson and the New York Jets this How past Tom weekend. We were, hold on. How did Tom know we were going on to the Jets? He commented was, right before you said New York Jets. It was a perfect transition right it into was. it. He was telling us, boys, it's too long on the Giants. Move <laughs> on to the other New York football team. Um, the Jets and Zach Wilson lose 25-6 to against the Patriots in a very, very, very bad look game for Zach Wilson. Terrible, terrible home debut. In fact, fans were booing. Um, threw four interceptions. Was not good in this game whatsoever. 19 for 33 in terms of pass attempts. 210 yards, again, with four interceptions. Very, very bad game. And In fact, I believe his first two passes of the game were two interceptions. Mm-hmm. So that did not put them in a good position to win or even you know compete in this game against New England, who James, uh, as a Bill Belichick coach team, uh, you're, you're not going to get too many opportunities to play well against this team on top of the fact their defense, I think, is one of the most stout defenses in all of football at this point in time. As they picked off Wilson not only four times, but sacked him as well four times. Yeah. they. Um, I just want to get to Tom's comment here because I do agree with Tom a little bit. Zach Wilson looks like a cartoon character out there. Um, yeah, Tom. Uh, who, who, what character in the comment section? Let me and Kyle know off to the side. What cartoon character does he look like? Because you both know, Tom and Kyle both know what cartoon character I look like. Um, so, Tom, let us know. I just want to know what your opinion is on that. Um, 
But back to the Jets. The fact is, when you play against Bill Belichick, you're always going to have a hard game. Yeah. No matter who's behind center for them. Yeah. The worst part about uh, Tom comes up answering my question. Naruto. Naruto. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't watch that stuff. So I don't know. Um, but back to what I was saying. Thank you, Tom. Um, but there is, there was Zach Wilson is on a very big platform playing in New York. Yeah. You know, everybody knows that, but to throw four interceptions and two within the span, I think of two different drives. It was literally on back to back plays. So he opened up through a pick and then next, next drive they had, he threw another one right on the first play. That. Like to me, that wouldn't sit right as a coach. Yeah, I don't know exactly. I didn't watch the full Jet game because I'm sorry, I wasn't going to continue watching him get slaughtered. Yeah. Um. But that defense, man, that defense looks good. I mean, all right, hold on. The Jets also don't have an offensive line. That's the thing. That's the thing that so, I wanted to get into. The is is that again? I think Zach Wilson has an opportunity to be one of the best quarterbacks in this draft. I truly believe that. With the Jets, that's the problem, right? We're looking at Sam Darnold. Mm -hmm. We're looking at his career with the Jets. And it feels like, sadly, we're going on the same pace. I hope it's not the case. But we're going down the same road. Yeah. But Sam Darnold, in a Panthers uniform, in the first two weeks of the season, is 2-0. He's 2-0 with that team that they built around him. And he looks good. He looks good. He looks confident. He's being protected. He's got excellent weapons behind him. And he's also got a phenomenal defense to work with as well. That Panthers defense is another underrated defense. Zach Wilson just does not have that. Becton no. goes down in game one. He's out for six to eight weeks now. That was supposed to be the, the tandem of him on the left side and Vera Tucker lining up right next to Be- Becton to protect him. Mm-hmm. And that's not happened. I think this is now 10 sacks in two games. Zach Wilson has been sacked 10 That's times true. in two games. That's it can't true. happen. You can't win football games that way. You just can't. And then if you look at the defensive side of the ball for the Jets as well, Mac Jones didn't have a, a stellar, phenomenal passing game. He completed 22 of 30 passes for less than 200 yards, 186. They were killing them on the ground. Yeah. They were killing them on the ground. They have no defense on the ground, and we already know they have no corners in the secondary. They just, it's, you you can't blame this guy. You know, if you're a Jets fan, you're at that game, or you're watching the game on TV and you start booing, understand this. This is deja vu. This is a replay of the same movie that the Jets have been playing the last three years in a row with Sam Darnold. And essentially, that's what they're allowing to unfold. Now, I think the difference with Zach Wilson is that I think from just watching him, he has more confidence in himself. Mm -hmm. He can scramble in and out of the pocket better. And I think Mm -hmm. he's more accurate in deep ball, uh, more accurate and a better deep ball thrower. And I think that he probably has better weapons than Sam Darnold has had. Not saying that, you know, he has so tremendous, but I think it's better than what Sam Darnold has ever had in a Jets uniform. The problem is this team is not going to be, they're not going to be a great team. You could see it. Now, granted, did he have a fair first two matchups to enter his NFL career in the Panthers' defense, which is phenomenal, and the Patriots' defense, which is coached by Bill Belichick, which is phenomenal? No. 
No. They, they play a Denver team this weekend, maybe another phenomenal defense, don't get me wrong, but maybe a team that is more so beatable than these other two teams in which they played in the first one, uh, first week of the season and first and second week of the season as well. And John brings up a great point as well, is that Jamison Crowder has also been out, which is another key yeah. component to that receiving core that features Corey Davis, who they just added, which was huge. Denzel Mims, Braxton Berrios. Uh, who else I'm trying to think? Uh, I'm blanking. I know they have Keelan Cole, but he hasn't been playing that much. Uh, well, in reality, they he has a and Elijah good- and Elijah Moore, who they just drafted this year as well in the second round. So they have some weapons there. They don't have any run game. No, they do not have a run game. That's another deceiving stat. When you look at their run game, they did as well as they did, and they rushed as well as they did because they ultimately couldn't trust Zach Wilson to throw the <laughs> to throw the football. So they rushed for a tremendous amount of yards, uh, I believe close to around 140, 150 yards they rushed for. They uh, rushed. Pull, pull, Tom's, pull Tom's comment up. All right. I, I was waiting. I was waiting. <laughs> Denver is a beatable team, the same team I watched beat us by – 20 in week one. I think that Denver is a beatable team. Denver's a beatable team, Tom. If you remember that game, you were there. The Giants had an opportunity to beat them. What happened? And an opportunity to to get the game up to uh, a three-point deficit, 17 to 14, with inside the 20-yard line, what what happens? Daniel Jones runs the football for seven yards, fumbles it, turns the ball over a couple plays later. Melvin Gordon's in the end zone for a 70-yard touchdown. That's what happens. Now that's a beatable team. And they played Jacksonville this past weekend and they beat them. So they're a beatable team. They are a beatable team. I'm not saying the Jets are going to blow them out of the water or they're going to be highly competitive neck and neck all the way down the stretch, but I don't think they're a team that gets out. I don't think that Denver is a team that will allow you to blow up, that will um, – What's the word called? That will allow you to allow them to be blown out, if that makes sense. So I don't, I don't think that does. But point being is that you look at this Jets team wholeheartedly, they're not a good team. We know this. They're not a good team. They're not going to be very competitive. I thought they were going to be, again, two tough early matchups early in the season. But again, same situation. It doesn't look like the team is going to get much better than what we see on the field right now. So I want I want to play devil's advocate in a sense. I want to go back okay. to Tom. Okay. Thing. Denver is beatable. Tom, I would say the Jets, the Giants should have beat them. They didn't. The Jets, maybe if they were home, it would be close. I don't really know. Especially he. Tom brings up a great point. In mile high. In mile high. That's hard when you're going, especially as a young quarterback. Hasn't been probably to my Ohio, you know, low oxygen level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense in my head. Um, the other thing is we're only in week two. He yeah. has to go through growing phases. He's going, yeah. he's, he has to look at it this way. I play Bill Belichick twice a year. I'm yeah. going to sit down and study the film and figure out what I did wrong, clearly a lot. But what ways – he seems like a smart kid where he'll do that. And you have a coach on that side that looks like – and from my understanding, we'll sit down with somebody and help walk them through stuff, whether that be 
in practice, whether that be in the film room, I would give this, nobody should be right now, we don't want him, he isn't good. I would give it to midseason. He will turn it around, and so will this coach. Yes, there's some guys on injured on the injury list. It doesn't help. Yeah, their offensive line is isn't the best. But we have to look at it this way: the giant, the Jets, excuse me, are trying to reestablish themselves. And if it doesn't work out this year, I would watch them for next season. It's yeah. only two games. Let's remember, yep. it's only two games. They're yep. not like the Jets aren't. Kyle, we may be giving more of a stronger opinion for the Jets because we're Giant fans. Daniel Jones has been in the league for a while. We expect more of him. Joe Judge has been the head coach for this team. We expect more of him. So do we. Jason Garrett's been in the league for X amount of years. He coached the Cowboys. We expect more of him. From the Jets, I think we have to take a step back and look at it like they're all new to each other. It's only two games. If they're still this way in week six and eight, then I would be a little bit like, what? Why haven't you guys gotten together and figured stuff out? But <laughs> Good catch there, I, bud. Yeah, thanks. But I think we have to understand that we're coming from more as a Giants fan where we expect them to start winning. The Jets are at least a year and a year and a half away from where us Giant fans are thinking we should be now, not sitting 0-2. That's my opinion. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. I, I, I do. And again, I, I'm to the opinion again, I, I said it before, is that I think that Zach Wilson has an opportunity to be one of the best quarterbacks yeah. in this draft. I, I do. And if you look at Trevor Lawrence, same situation, right? Is Trevor Lawrence really an awful quarterback like how his stats are showing right now in Jacksonville? No. no. Jacksonville is just a really bad team. Yeah. Same thing with the Jets. They're just a really bad team that needs to figure their stuff out. Two teams, both head coaches in their first year, both really, really new in terms of Offensive schemes, in terms of defensive schemes, in terms of players on the roster, all mm-hmm. new to the team. And I and I wouldn't even say this season, James, to figure it out because I don't think that it's. I think you need to play a full season to see what you have. Yes. I would say again, yeah, watch out. Maybe next year, see if they improve, and that's where you really start. Now you can start judging. But again, if you're a Jets fan booing Zach Wilson, if you're any fan doubting Zach Wilson, understand this. Sam Darnold, for three years, the Jets had given him absolutely nothing. Zach Wilson has had a little more. I will give you that. But everything is new. Everything is new. Give it some time. And over time, hopefully things get better. And I think they will. But like you said, James, it's also a really, really difficult division. Being with the Miami Dolphins, being with the Buffalo Bills, and being with the New England Patriots, it's very difficult to come out victorious in that division when you have to play those opponents a total of six games a year yeah but we'll see but as we wrap up this jet segment here let's predict what's going to happen let's predict what do you what i'll james i'll throw to you first who do you think wins this game boy i would say jets but the way they looked i know the coach will probably get them bounced back uh you know what i don't know if i picked them in quick picks yet I want to say Jets win. Score 21-17, Jets. All right. I think that the Denver Broncos are going to win this game. I think it is going to be semi-close. I'm going to say 27-17. to That's going to be my score. I, I like think it. that the Jets will be competitive in this game. I think that I, I do believe they are getting Jameson Crowder back, which should open up the offense a little more, have mm-hmm. more to throw to. 
Again, the offensive line needs to do better. You cannot expect your quarterback to win a football game if he's getting sacked five times a game because that's what that math breaks down to. Not going to happen. And with Denver's defense, it's going to be difficult for a passing game to be established, and that's why the run game is going to be so key and important. Whether they choose to hand the ball to Michael Carter, who's the new rookie running back for the majority of the snaps, whether they choose to split it with Ty Johnson as well, because that's uh, I know they did that last week as well. Mm-hmm. But they'll figure it out. Uh, a lot of people don't talk about the offensive coordinator for the Jets in Mike LaFleur, who's the brother of Matt LaFleur, who is coaching the Green Bay Packers and a guy that's gone to back-to-back yes. NFC Championship games with the Green Bay Packers. Yes. So with that kind of offensive scheme, if he's bringing anything like that over to the New York Jets, they can be successful. Again, yes. it'll just take a little time for them to gel, and I think it'll take a full season for them to gel, to be uh, specific. But Most likely. James, yeah. But, James, to round out, because I, I said I wanted to mention this fun fact mm-hmm. after the Jets oh, segment. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think I sent it to, to the both of you guys, you and Tom. So the Giants and Jets, mm-hmm. since 2017, now share the worst record in football with a record of 18 and 48 since 2017. Yeah, exactly. 18 wins and 48 losses. That ba- I mean, that, with that math, James, that basically means it took both teams about four seasons to win a total of a season's worth of games. Wow. That's um, that's disgusting. Yeah. But I'm kind of glad you brought that up because in the comment section, Tom and John were going back and forth. Uh, John says if Giants and Jets were 100% healthy, Jets win. Interesting. Um, Tom then comes, follows up. That I do not agree with, John. Giants have the, a better roster at the moment, and the defense will come together once they adjust to the press man scheme. And then John says, Jets' defense is better. I uh, like how you said that fun fact because they were already going in the comment section, so it only helped us. It only helped us. Where I will put in this statement as well is that Tom is absolutely right. The Giants have the better roster. But you could have something better on paper all day. The Giants aren't executing it like they have a good roster, right? Out yes. being 0-2 to start the season off. They're not executing. 57 given points in the last two games, they're not executing like they have a good roster. They're just not, simply stated. But moving on, James, our next block of the night, next topic of discussion, the best games from week two. Uh, so I wrote down four games. Don't have to get too deep into them. But just wanted to quickly glance, quickly little talk about them a little bit. So the first game I wanted to bring up was Arizona versus Minnesota. I don't know if you caught that game. That was one of the the best football games that I think that I've seen in a long, long time. Just the the stellar performance by Kyler Murray. The way that he does everything that you need to win the football game. And granted, he did make mistakes. He threw two interceptions. A total of 400 passing yards, three passing touchdowns, one rushing touchdown, and 31 rushing yards. Absolutely incredible performance by Kyle Murray to essentially carry this team and so many big play opportunities too. Some great passes down the line to DeAndre Hopkins and A.J. Green getting involved in the offense. And then the 77 um, – <clears throat> excuse me, getting choked up a little bit, very emotional talking <laughs> about football. A 77-yard touchdown pass to Rondell Moore, rookie receiver, who they're using in this amazing receiving core that they have in Arizona. 
that was by far probably, in my opinion, probably the best game of the week. I, I think so. Yeah, that I didn't catch fully of that game. I was out with a few of my friends. We were at a restaurant. They had the games on. Of course, they had most of the Cowboys game on because, you know, why why not? You know, America's team. But I saw that on one of the TVs, and my eyes were glued to it when I was watching it. At one point, I think it was before halftime. I don't remember exactly, but I think the Vikings were up in the game, and then the Cardinals came right back where we're coming back. And then I couldn't catch the game because we left anymore. But that game doesn't only show us what the Vikings are doing, but it also shows us how well Kyle, Kyler, Kyler, right? Kyler, Kyler Murray is playing. You know, to only have... Those numbers that you said is just astonishing. I yeah. if I wish honestly that was the game of the week. Yeah, the Sunday night game or Monday night game or even yeah. the four twenty five game. Yeah, well that that was the four oh five game, but it's kind of kind of prime time. But, but now for the Arizona Cardinals offense, they've scored a total of seventy two points in two games, thirty eight in the first one, thirty four in the second. But in gears to Minnesota this game, John is right. Kirk Cousins did not have a bad game. Uh, similar to Derek Carr. Um, John, where I disagree is that Derek Carr hasn't had a lot of opportunity in the playoff, whereas Kirk Cousins has, and he hasn't really executed. I think last year was his first playoff victory against the Saints last year. He's Kirk Cousins will get you the job done. And again, if you watch this game, the reason why they lost Earlier, uh, earlier in the game, uh, Greg Joseph, the kicker for the Minnesota Vikings, missed the chip shot uh, for an extra point. It would have been tied already. And then opportunity later in the game to kick the game-winning field goal as time winded down, misses that as well in Arizona, gets the victory to now start the season off 2-0, and and Minnesota starts the season off 0-2. Moving into the next game that I want to talk about, the Dallas versus the Chargers game. That was another that was another great game. And, James, I know how much you love the, the Cowboys. They're your boys. I know how much you love them. They're my boys, really? They're your boys. Yeah, uh-huh. Show them now, my boys. Now, Dak Prescott, passing-wise, you know, touchdown thrown, not necessarily one of his tremendous games, but 23 of 27 uh, completion-wise for 237 yards. That's a good game with an INT. Tony Pollard was really – astonishing in this game the way that they're using him in this offense they're essentially again i think they're more so using the offense especially the run game yep the way they're posing this offense kellen moore they're allowing zeke to be effective but not use him as much because i feel like they plan on using him a lot more later down the line now granted zeke had probably one of his best performances that he's had in a long time with the Dallas Cowboys, 16 rush attempts, mm-hmm. 71 rushing yards, a touchdown, two receptions for 26 yards as well. Mm-hmm. But Tony Pollard, 13 rush attempts, 109 rushing yards, a touchdown, three receptions and 31 rushing yards. The Dallas Cowboys, again, win by the skin of their teeth on a 56-yard game-winning field goal by Greg Zerloin, who in the week prior, you remember the reason why the Cowboys actually lost that game to Tampa 
was because Greg Zerloin had missed two kicks and an extra point in that game. Yeah. Otherwise, Dallas would be 2-0. And they'd be one of the most talked about teams in football right now about how far they can go. Along with those guys, C.D. Lamb also had a phenomenal performance of eight receptions for 81 yards. But the Chargers, switching gears to them now, Justin Herbert didn't have the best of games. He did not have the best of games. The passing yards was tremendous, uh, 31 for 41 completion-wise, one total touchdown, but two costly mistakes, two turnovers. Now, where I didn't get this, the running backs in which they have, they love to use Austin Eckler. He's a versatile player, nine rush Mm -hmm. attempts, but also nine receptions. You got to run the football more because he was running the ball pretty well. 54 rushing yards at nine attempts, I believe that comes out to what? Around, I want to say six rushing yards per attempt. That's pretty good. That's right, right? That's that is pretty good. good. You, should be running, you should be running the football a little more. And the receivers, the receivers, they had a day themselves as well. Keenan Allen, four receptions for 180 yards. Mike Williams, seven receptions for 91 yards and a touchdown. But the Chargers are unable to get the job done as they fall one and one on the season. Dallas Cowboys. I, I do have to say, um, I don't the feed Zeke phenomenon. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if it's feed Zeke anymore. I think it's feed Pollard. He, it, I don't know. Zeke has been awfully quiet. I mean, I'm trying to also stir up the pot too. <laughs> just because yep. I understood. But I don't know if you saw this stat or heard this. I know I did. We it was at the Chargers, right? It wasn't in Dallas. No, it was at uh, SoFi Stadium. It was at. The it was at, okay. I, I wasn't sure only because I heard more Dallas fans than uh, Charger fans there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it looked like a Dallas home game. Yeah, it looked like they, a Dallas you home game. Right. Yes, yes, it, it yeah, looked like a Dallas out. home game. Um, Chargers are going to be good. They're going to have their days. I wish they won against Dallas. Dallas is going to be an up-and-down team. I've said this earlier on. They're going to be an up-and-down team all season. They're not going to fly high. They're not going to go low. They're going to be the middle-of-the-pack team, which will surprise you on some games with wins and losses. Um, yeah. I know when they played Tampa Bay, I was in Michigan for a bocce tournament. And, man, my the guy, one of the guys I went with is a big Cowboys fan, so I was ranking on him a little bit because the Cowboys were losing. But these that was – Honestly, the four o'clock games were a pretty good game between the Minnesota and Arizona, Dallas and Chargers. I mean, what else better can you X for, in yeah. my opinion? Um, 100%. 100%. But John's actually a game before we get into this game. Uh, 49ers, the issues in which they're having, look below average, barely beat the Lions, and barely beat the Eagles. John, something that I've noticed with this 49ers team, which is quite confusing is that George Kittle is supposed to be the primary or what looks to be the primary guy in this offense. And essentially, I mean, he had a good first game, four receptions for 78 yards against the uh, against Detroit. But in the previous game against the Eagles, four receptions for 17 yards, you can't have that happen. And he was only targeted four times as well. This is a guy that we're talking about competing with Travis Kelsey being the second-best tight end in football, being in that top three category amongst Travis Kelsey George Kittle and Darren Waller, mm-hmm. you're not getting him involved. You're just not mm-hmm. getting him involved. Now, Debo Samuel has absolutely flourished and has blown up these past two games, especially against Detroit for 189 uh, yards. Looked absolutely phenomenal. 
But the other key factor in that as well is that while Eli Mitchell played great in that week one matchup against the Detroit Lions, they're missing that running presence in, in week two. He only rushed for 42 yards. Again, Raheem Mostert goes down early in the season, only had two rush attempts before Terry's ACL. He's out for the season. They also lost Jason Brett, who was a nice corner for them last year on the defense, which has hurt them. You've seen it. They've it's been it's been a factor, no doubt about it. And tying all into the same point as well, is that my personal opinion, Jimmy Garoppolo is a, an average quarterback. He's just an average quarterback. Again, he's a game manager. He'll keep you in games, but he's not going to blow you out of the water with his performances. He's not going to be a guy that throws for 400-something yards and, and goes for multiple touchdowns in a game. He'll do what you need to do to get the job done. But like you said, John, they barely got it done against teams who are projected, especially in the Lions, who are bottom-of-the-pack teams that will be drafting very, very high next year because they don't look very competitive based on the rosters in which they've assembled, based on how they've actually uh, actually executed during games. And you're right. They don't look in a, in a competitive NFC West and a competitive NFC. And in a competitive NFL, they do not look like the 2-0 record in which they have. They don't. They don't look like this great team. They don't. And I think that comes from the quarterback in which they have, I think they need to use George Kittle a little more. And the secondary is hurt after the loss of uh, Jay Verrett. But moving on to the next game I wanted to talk about. Actually, James, we're going to skip over that uh, that third game I had scheduled. We're going to jump right into the last game. This was also – I forgot about this game when we were talking about the uh, – talking about Arizona versus Minnesota. This was, I think, the game of the week. Baltimore versus Kansas City. This had this game had a lot riding on the line, especially the way that in the previous uh, primetime game Monday night, Baltimore ended against the Vegas Raiders. Just a bad, bad loss by Baltimore. How they lost that game did not look good, and especially being all the injuries in which they've gone through, whether it's on the defensive side of the ball, losing Marcus Peters and others for the rest of the season, whether it was offense now running with the third string running back after losing Gus Edwards for the season, after losing uh, J.K. Dobbins for the season, after losing Rashad Bateman for whatever period of time he will be out until he returns. But they played a hell of a game against the Kansas City Chiefs and won yes, the football did. game. Yes, they Lamar did. Jackson, if you watch the first, first couple snaps, first couple drives, did not look good. He threw two interceptions. In fact, on the first drive of the game, I think it was the second or third play, he threw a pick that was returned for a touchdown by Tyron Matthew on the uh, on the Kansas City Chiefs defense. Did not look good. And it looked like things nope. were going downhill. But he kept his team competitive. And he kept his team competitive with his arm. And he kept his team competitive with his legs. And, James, not only do I think this was the best game of, you know, the, the best game of the week, but this was the best game, I think, of Lamar Jackson's career. He, he got over the hump of the Kansas City Chiefs every single previous time they have lost and essentially have lost in an embarrassing manner. They won this game in a high competitive fashion. I it, think at home. At home. At home. I know. And they looked great. They looked phenomenal. For a team that has suffered so many injuries, they looked like a great team. I think that was a lot of fire under the Ravens players and Lamar that 
every time they play Kansas City, it's either close or they get blown out by Kansas City. Kansas City's a powerhouse team. We all know that. We are Baltimore, well, with them not having a running back, Lamar had to do a lot of that himself. Yeah. Um, and going for it on, what was it, fourth and one, fourth and two, something along yeah. those lines. Shows the confidence. Shows the confidence. Shows he knew exactly what was going on at the field at that time. Spags brings a great defense, but clearly it wasn't a very defensive game because it, the points were just insane. It was yeah. like 30 to 20. It was, it was, it was a high-scoring game. It, Lamar knows what he can do. Lamar also knows how to beat players. It's the fact is, did he bring it to the next level? Which, in my opinion, he does. Fonz, a big Baltimore Ravens fan, I'm sure is beyond excited right now to see them finally be able to beat the Chiefs. If you remember um, in our chat, he goes, he goes, uh, Lamar is better than Mahomes. Yes. And, he, and then he goes, let me enjoy the moment. Um, so that that's great to see. I think this – I wouldn't be surprised if we see this later on down the line. Also – one thing I did notice about Lamar, I'm going to take a little side note. This was brought up a few years ago when Lamar first entered the league, was playing in it. When it's a run play, uh, Kyle, I don't. This is more me being noticing other little things. When it's a run play, he grabs his towel that's hanging down off of his um, waist and wipes I, his hand. I haven't noticed that. I haven't noticed that. Watch the next game. I've. So there was an announcer that brought it up to our, the fans' attentions a while ago. I kind of stuck with it to actually see if it was true. So teams are going to eventually learn it's going to be a run play when he grabs the towel from the back. Not all the time, but most of the time. I get back on track now. This game was probably the most exciting game to watch in the last year and a half, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. Um, just on what it brought, the excitement it brought. And it was on Monday night. And – the Eli and Peyton was also calling that game, so you know. Yeah, they were on the. They weren't covering it, but they were uh, previewing it. They were previewing it. Yeah. But what I loved about this matchup, James, and what happened, they were able to stop Tyreek Hill number one, three receptions for fourteen yards to Tyreek Hill, who the previous week prior absolutely exploded for a hundred eighty nine yards for a touchdown and and a touchdown in that game. Travis Kelsey, not so much. Seven receptions, 109 yards, and a touchdown. And if you remember, the way that Baltimore won this game prior to that excellent, you know, momentous play of Lamar and Harbaugh yelling to the other side of each other while they're on the field, Lamar, you want to go for it? He goes, of course. Yep. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire fumbles the ball. It would have been a field goal opportunity for the Chiefs to essentially win the game in that moment. And with a kicker in Harrison Bucker, one of the best kickers in football, you know, the Chiefs would have come out victorious, but they make a big play. Odefe, Odafi, um, Oa, Jason Oa is is what some call him, um, forces a fumble at a Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, uh, his hands, and Baltimore drives down the field, gets that fourth and one in which you're alluding to, and closes out in a tremendous game for not only the Baltimore Ravens, but for Lamar Jackson. Um uh, just getting to a couple points here before we move on. John says, too soon to jump on the Raiders bandwagon. John, to be honest with you, no, I really don't. I don't. I think what they have defensively is very, very, very underrated. And it's crazy to say that just in a year, you know, in a year's change from what they've done, 
what they have now is under the radar, low key, one of potentially the better defenses in football. The with Raiders? a combination with the yeah, the Raiders. Alright. With a combination of guys like Yannick Ngakwe, Solomon Thomas, who was didn't work didn't work well with the 49ers, but had two sacks this week against the Pittsburgh Steelers. With Corey Littleton, with Mac Crosby, with Carl Nassib, with KJ Wright from Seattle. With Casey Hayward in the secondary, Jonathan Abram, uh, Corey Littleton, uh, Morig, who fell down in the draft a little bit because of some back issues, but he's looked great. And the trade for Denzel Perriman uh, right before the season started with the Carolina Panthers, the trade they did, he's been great. Tackling the machine. Yeah. Again, Tom brings up what they also have now is no running back and no offensive line. Tom, you're right, but at the same time, they won this game not running the football at all. Their lead rusher rushed for 32 yards against the Pittsburgh Steelers. They still won by nine points. Yeah. And Derek Carr, while you're saying he has no offensive line, completed 28 of 37 passes against one of the best defenses in football for 382 yards and two touchdowns. And he's done this against back-to-back good defenses, Baltimore in week one and Pittsburgh now in week two. So when got back, like a Josh Jacobs, that will furthermore improve, you know, the credibility of this team. As in yep. week two, Henry Ruggs explodes for mm-hmm. one touchdown, a little 113 yards. Darren Waller has a decent day for five receptions, 65 Ooh, yards. Yeah. Kyle, did I not, Ruggs exploded again? I got to get him on my fantasy team. Adam Lashley did so well. Shit. Thank yeah. you. Ruggs is, Ruggs is coming to his, truly coming into his own in now his second season in the NFL. Hunter Renfro recording five receptions, 57 yards. Kenyon Drake, five receptions, 46 yards. They're spreading the ball effectively. And they look yeah. like a solid, competent football team. Now, again, it's hard to really pick this team because you look at the division that they're in and you look mm-hmm. at the AFC, and that's definitely one of the uh, – again, we're comparing the two conferences. I think the NFC has a little edge, but the AFC is definitely a deep conference as well. And then you solely focus on the AFC West with a team in Denver that looks great to you know. The Kansas City Chiefs are the Kansas City Chiefs, one and one. The Chargers, Justin Herbert, are one and one. Now the Raiders are two and oh. It's hard to really envision them to be such a great team because of where they've stood in the past, I don't even know, four or five years uh, was the last time that they made a playoff run and they didn't have Derek Carr Henry, uh, healthy and available. I think it might have even been six years where Connor Cook played for Michigan State in that game. Derek Carr got hurt a week or two prior, and they lost that football game, and essentially the team has been rebuilding since. They look like a solid football team, and I don't think it's too early because if they're playing well against these competitive teams, when they play some of these easier matchups that they have, that should furthermore help them in terms of where they stand further down the line, not only within the division, but especially with an expanded wild card playoff race. They have a legitimate shot to make the playoffs, I think, if they continually play like this. You know, you're not wrong. And I was just looking at the Raiders' um, schedule because yeah. I direct them out on fantasy. Um, they play Miami this week, and they played the Chargers next week, and they play Cincinnati. They don't have a very tough schedule, in my opinion. No. Miami so, is now, you know, without Tua potentially. Yeah. The Chargers are a good team. That'll be a competitive game. 
Chicago is up in the air now with what quarterback is through and trying to figure out their situation. Denver, I think, again, while they're a good team, their first two wins of the season were against teams that are really not great. And then they play Philadelphia right before the bye week. So they get into a nice hot roll before the bye week and then come out against us in the New York Giants, which, again, is definitely a winnable game for them. Yeah. You know, last year they – they made noise. This year, they're making a lot of noise. Not only with a new stadium, but they're making a lot exactly. of noise. Exactly. And now, uh, quickly into John's last point before we move on into the next segment of the night. Do you think the Titans can go deep with a great offense and when Henry actually gets yards, but defense is horrible? I don't, I, I don't think so, John. I, I don't. Tennessee looks like a completely different team than they did last year. The secondary, I think, is in a much worse situation. Again, Seattle's offense is very explosive, and we know that Russell Wilson probably has best deep ball in all of football. But at the same time, Derrick Henry is not going to be able to rush for 182 yards every single game and get three touchdowns in the game with a bunch of receptions as well. The defense has to perform on some level, and again, in that game, I believe they gave up 32 or 33 points to Seattle Seahawks and went to an overtime. You can't, again, as great as Derrick Henry is, 2,000 yards rushing last season. And now another game underneath his belt with a total of 17 games in a season. You cannot, no pun intended, run your running back into the ground. That's not a game plan. That's not a game plan for success. Ryan Tannehill looks like he's taken a step back. He's had some costly turnovers and hasn't looked that great either. The defense needs to get a lot better. And that was a fear that I had with this team going into the season. But in the AFC South, you break it down with Houston not having a quarterback right now. Jacksonville Jaguars picking number one this year, not having a great team either. And the the Indianapolis Colts as well being 0-2 to start the season. And now their quarterback situation being up in the air. I think it's the Titans' uh, division to lose. They definitely don't look like a very good team this year. And I don't think that you could win single-handedly on the back of Derrick Henry. And they know that too, John. That's why they brought in Julio Jones, because they need to be able to spread the ball out more, just not depending upon Derrick Henry. And again, I think that'll come over time. That comes with Mm -hmm. a level of comfortability as well, James, you were alluding to before with the Giants, learning the people in front of you and working with them and developing a what can be one of the most lethal offenses in all football, I think so. It's not there yet. But even if they have one of the most lethal offenses in football, we saw with the Atlanta Falcons the last couple of years, one of the best offenses in football, if you don't have a defense, it doesn't matter. They need the defense. They need them to step up. Oh, yeah. Easy. By far. Yeah. No doubt. But, James, moving on now, we're going to move on to the next topic of discussion tonight. Actually, Tom brought this up in our group chat he did. earlier. He said that, you know, maybe a good topic of discussion would be bring up which 0-2 team has the best shot at the playoffs? So, James, out of the list that we have here, the Giants, the Vikings, the Lions, the Falcons, the Jets, the Colts, and the Jaguars, mm. out of those seven teams, who do you think has the best shot at making the playoffs? All right. I'll, get, uh, I'll do a quick, short, but also to the point. Jets, no, they're too young. They'll make noise. They aren't going to make the playoffs. Um, Jacksonville... They're all up in the air. I think once they get on track, might be a little bit too late. Um, just to the sole fact they have the Patriots in their division. 
I see them making noise. I see them potentially making a run. It's not their year this year. Um, Atlanta. I haven't. I didn't really watch the Tampa Bay game versus Atlanta, so I don't really know much about Atlanta right now. Um, ask me this question after this weekend. It doesn't depend if the Giants beat them or not. Atlanta will make noise. I. They might be a team that sneaks in. They might be a team that sneaks in. They're always a sneaky team, in my opinion. Um, Detroit. No. No, not 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 this year. No, sorry, Detroit. Um, Minnesota. You know, Kirk Cousins, Gabe, Gabe Flayton. If you're watching, bud, comment. Um, I think they, uh, I think they make it. I think they make it. Um, I, I do think so. Um, the Colts. Who's their quarterback? Is is their quarterback? It's Carson Wentz, but now he is apparently two sprained ankles. How does the guy walk? Um, but no, no, uh-uh. that's a whole nightmare of a mess. Um, I saved our team for last only for this reason. If we get on track, we can make the playoffs. If we don't get on track, this division, in a sense, is ours to lose along with the Cowboys to lose along with Washington to lose. Well, that's not really ours to lose there, I know, right? but it, it, it's not solely ours, but there's three It's other... not far-fetched to see the Giants winning the division as Correct. long as they can... Again, it's all about execution. I get what you're saying. Correct. That's my predictions, Kyle. I mean, the Jets, I'm sorry. They're not making it this year. No. I would say that the Vikings, hands down, probably the best chance. Because if you look at the first two games, they've just been crushed in defeats where they, they're going to look back in the, in the end of the season, depending on where they finish, whether they make the playoffs or not. Yeah. Lost week one in an overtime loss to Cincinnati on a game-winning field goal. Mm-hmm. You know, that can't happen. Hey, look at this week. Greg Joseph misses an extra point early in the game, which would have had them tied. And then he missed the game-winning field goal down the line mm-hmm. to potentially win them the game as well. Mm-hmm. That's two victories for the Minnesota Vikings. They have looked like a good team. They have not looked like a bad team. Correct. They just have not had too many things go their way. A total of four points is the margin of error, James. They've been outscored by four points over the course of two games, and that's the two that's games in which bad. they've lost. That's not bad at all. And in a division in which bad. features teams like the Detroit Lions, who I do not believe are going to be very good, uh, the Chicago Bears, who I think are a questionable team as well as where they stand in terms of how good can they be, how bad can they be. Yes. Minnesota, I think, is a better overall team than them. And then Green Bay as well. While they looked mm-hmm. great against Detroit last night, more so in the second half because it was kind of getting a little scary going into halftime. I think they were down, actually, going into halftime. They were down. Yeah. yeah. We came alive in the second half. They lost week one, if we remember, 35-6 to six or something like that against the New Orleans Saints. Yeah, yes, Again, yes, yes. Now, that, might, could, that could have been a warm-up game. That could have been a, a pregame to the beginning of the season. That could all be gone, and Aaron Rodgers will get back on track and look like he looked – in the Detroit game last night, every single night. But I think that if you're asking me, out of those teams that we just listed, who am I most confident in that I think that will make the playoffs? I think the Vikings have the best shot out of those teams to make the playoffs, hands down. I would, I would say Indianapolis. I would say Indianapolis because of what we just talked about with the Titans. How yes. in the AFC South, Jacksonville and Houston are, are, are basically automatically eliminated for me. 
and it should just be a foot race between those two teams. But being that now their quarterback is in question, I, I just don't see how you're going to win many football games without having a quarterback behind center. So for I mean, me, I, I think it's Minnesota that is essentially it's their division to lose. And that's what the comment section is saying. John Suggs is Minnesota. Tom also says Minnesota's are my Minnesota. I'm sorry, Vikings are my best team with my team with the best shot. English James, uh, yes, Tom. Um, and then John also comments. Jacob, Al- Eason, Al- is, Eason, Eason, Eason is their quarterback. Uh, uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's gonna again. It's gonna be very, very difficult for them. We'll see what happens for them the line. If I was to predict right now, I would say again the Minnesota Vikings. But James, I'm gonna actually throw to you here to preview some big week three games coming uh, coming up as we close out the show. We're gonna look to close out the show within the next eight minutes or so, and around one thirty tonight. Uh, definitely an action packed show, but I'm gonna. I'm going to get off for just a second. Just got to go grab a charger because I don't want my laptop dying on me in the middle of a show. So, you, no, no, James, you, you got this covered? I got this covered. Don't you worry. All right, man. I'll see you in a minute, man. I'll see you All in right. A I'll see you in a minute. All right. All right. So, now it's the James show. Thank God Kyle left. Oh, no, I'm playing. All right. Big games week three. This is what I have Kyle um, agreed on, in my opinion, in our um, – we got Tampa Bay and Rams. I mean, they looked pretty good. Tampa Bay, I don't know if everybody saw that the um, Gronk came out saying that Tom, he doesn't watch film, Gronk. Th- that doesn't surprise me, honestly. He doesn't watch film, and he is saying that Tom Brady just tells him who he who's covering him, and he rocks with it. So I am. that's one of our big games this week. Um, yeah, the Rams, I'm just confirming if – this would load correctly. They're in LA. Um, they are the 425 game, so that should be a good game. I just want to confirm the time. Kyle, we're on Tampa Bay and the Rams uh, as the 425 big game yep. week that's, three. That I think is I think that's the biggest game of the week. I think that's the biggest game of the week by far. You know the the mantra with that game, James. I think that's the matchup for the NFC Championship game when come January. I, yeah. I think that's going to be the game. I think that's going to be the game. Tom Brady versus Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford has looked absolutely phenomenal in these first two matchups. In a Rams uniform, he is. Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford have already had tremendous chemistry. That defense is elite. Robert Woods has looked great. Tyler Higbee has looked great. Dale Henderson has looked great. The offensive line has stayed strong. And, And again, all those years in Detroit, I think 11 years in Detroit, the question was, Matthew Stafford's a great quarterback, but what can he do when he has a team around him? This is what he could do when he has a team around him. This is an excellent team to be surrounded by. And a game against Tom Brady, the defending Super Bowl champions, and the elite weapons that they have on both sides of the football, this is definitely by far the game of the week, in my personal opinion. I would have to agree. I mean, I'm looking forward to that. And Matt Stafford, not to get off track, but I have Cooper Cup on my fantasy team. Them two are just great together. Yep. No, no doubt. Um, they look phenomenal together. Um, you want me to move on to the next game? Yeah, we'll keep on rolling through them. Keep on rolling All right, through them. We, our next game would be, let's go with Seattle and Minnesota. Yeah, that's a 
That's a big game. Again, for Minnesota, they have fallen short now. They're 0-2 on the season. Again, like I said earlier with the Giants, same situation. 0-2, it's already tough to come back from, but 0-3, it's going to be even tougher to come back from that. Same thing with Minnesota. Very difficult to come back from that if they did not beat Seattle. But Seattle, as we saw, they faltered. They were leading basically the entirety of that game against the Titans, yeah. allowed them to come back, force an overtime, and Seattle goes home with a loss. And especially in a very, very competitive division, in which we've seen in the NFC West, in the NFC West, which, by the way, features three two and O teams between the LA Rams, the Arizona Cardinals, and the San Francisco 49ers. Mm-hmm. This is going to be a very, very, very good game, considering oh, a lot is riding on the line for both of these teams. Seattle can't fall too far out of the NFC West uh, nope. race, and Minnesota essentially going zero and three. It's going to be very, very difficult for them to compete for a wild card spot and definitely to compete for a divisional win. That's going to, that's also the four, a 425 game as well um, on Fox. I don't know who gets the game of the week or not. Um, let's move on to Green Bay and the 49ers, the 820 game, Sunday night, NBC. That's going to be a good game. I don't, I don't think it's going to be a great game. Really? I don't think Why it's going to be a great game because of what John said earlier. He's absolutely right. The 49ers did not look good against two of what, are the worst teams in football. Looked very bad against the Detroit Lions, giving up 33 points to that team. Mm -hmm. And while they beat the Philadelphia Eagles, and while Philadelphia did put up a lot of points on Atlanta, Atlanta doesn't have a defense, they didn't look so great. The fact that that game was as close as it was for the Mm -hmm. Eagles against the 49ers. Now you're throwing Aaron Rodgers in the mix with Devontae Adams, Robert Tanyan, Alan Lazard, Aaron Jones coming off a (laughs) four-touchdown game. All right. I don't know if that's going to be a great game. I think Green Bay wins that game by a lot. And again, I think if if we want to talk about proving point, and and while it's deceiving, I think so in the NFC West, how the 49ers stand is one of those 2-0 teams that I just talked about. That 2-0 is a little deceiving. This is really their first prime matchup of the season. Let's see how good they actually are. I think Green Bay comes away with that victory, though. Not wrong, not wrong. Um, I do want to get to a comment here. John Suggs says, Washington at Bills. That is that is a good matchup. That is a good matchup. That is definitely a game to look out for, especially because in week one, Josh Allen did not look up to that MVP standard, standard against the Pittsburgh Steelers, and that was a great team. And then they absolutely came out in week two and slaughtered the Miami Dolphins with a 35 to nothing victory. Then again, two went down early. He did go mm-hmm. down early. They were basically working the entirety of the game without a quarterback. So now going up against the Washington football team who, again, have some questions themselves. That defense has not looked really up to par, at least of what you know was predicted in the preseason and what was expected going into now the second season of really that whole front four coming together, uh, especially Chase Young completing that front four and the entirety of the defense as a whole. It's going to be a very, very competitive game, don't get me wrong, but this is going to be a big game for both of these teams. Um, John with another comment. Watch Bingo's upset Steelers. John, that would definitely be interesting because I think these are two teams that really nobody really knows what exactly they are. The Pittsburgh Steelers come out week one and play phenomenal against the uh against the Buffalo Bills, who, like mm-hmm. I said before, Josh Allen is, you know, in this MVP conversation coming off the best season of his career, uh, one of the best seasons in football last year. And then now against the Vegas Raiders, who, again, are proving a lot of doubters wrong. 
Ben Roethlisberger throwing for under 200 yards. They can't really get a rushing game going. The defense doesn't look that great, giving up a 60-yard touchdown to Henry Ruggs. Yeah. And the Bengals, same situation. They beat Minnesota in an overtime game. I think Minnesota is a good team, so it is a good win. And Joe Burrow's first game back after that horrendous injury, horrific injury that happened last year to end his season looked very good. But against Chicago, uh, the Chicago Bears this previous Bears. week, throwing three interceptions and essentially closing the door on any chance of the Bengals winning this game, losing 20-17. to 17. So, yeah. again, uh, more so an upset would be the wrong word, but, again, very competitive because I think these two teams have a lot to prove in exactly what they are this season. The last game I want to bring up, Kyle, is the Monday yeah. night game, Eagles and the boys. Eagles and the boys on Monday night. James, this game obviously has implications for the both of us as we both yes, are Giants that's fans. That's why I wanted to bring it up. As we both are Giants fans, either way, unless, you know, a tie magically happens, <laughs> one of these teams is going to come come home with a victory and, and put the Giants further back in the division. Um, yes. But like I, like I said with the Steelers and the Bengals, both these teams I think have a decent amount to prove. While the Eagles came out extremely hot, Against Atlanta, they did not look so great against the uh, against the 49ers. And Dallas, while they looked excellent against Tampa, it was about execution. Ezekiel Elliott, mm-hmm. they couldn't get a they could not get a run game going. And again, you know, against one of the best defenses in football, especially against the run in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you're not going to get a run game really going. But they lose the game because they're not executing. Reg Zerloin missing a bunch of field goals that would have won them that game in Tampa Bay. And then against the Chargers as well. I think that while the run game was great and, and CeeDee Lamb was tremendous and Tony Pollard was tremendous, Dak Prescott didn't necessarily have so great of a game completing you know 23 or 27 passes for 237 yards, no touchdowns and an interception against the Chargers in a really, really close game, excuse me, in which came down – to Greg Zerloin having to kick a 56-yard field goal to win the football game. So this is going to be a great matchup. Excuse me. I think that Dallas is going to wind up winning this game because of the explosiveness of the offense. And I think that they're going to get, be able to get a lot more going running the football and passing the football against this Eagles defense than they were able to do against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and what they were able to do against a Los Angeles Chargers. So then Dallas does win this game, but I'm also really interested to see how Jalen Hurts performs because I've been an advocate for him saying that, you know, give him the opportunity to play. Stop doubting him. This guy, whether you like it or not, was a second-round pick and was a great quarterback at Alabama Mm -hmm. and was a great quarterback at Oklahoma when he transferred over. Let him play the game. Let the cards unfold, and especially considering the QB question in Philadelphia – Give this guy a shot because when they have, he's been pretty good. He's been good. And he's got some nice receivers now with Devonta Smith. He's mm-hmm. got a tight end in Dallas Goddard. He's got a great running back in Miles Sanders. And the defense also doesn't look so bad either, James, only giving no. up a total of six points to the Atlanta Falcons in week one and 17 to the 49ers in week two. 23 points in two weeks, that's pretty good if you, if you yeah. ask me. It's very so, good, honestly. We'll see what happens going to this game. I'm picking Dallas on Monday Night Football, but again, I think it's going to be a great game. And James, do you have any further words before I close out here? 
No, listen, I had fun tonight. It was nice to have me and you on a show. We haven't had this in a while. Yeah, it's it's definitely been a minute. Had a great time tonight. Action-packed show, as expressed uh, in the caption promoting the show earlier. But thank you to all who viewed tonight, who commented tonight, who liked the show. Again, to reiterate the statement uh, that I made earlier, make sure to subscribe to us on all of our platforms, whether that's on Instagram, Facebook, our YouTube channel. Uh, make sure to subscribe to us on anchor.fm uh, slash review and preview as well to listen to us on a podcasting form as well. Uh, and of course, I think I said this, but I'll say it again. 98 subscribers, guys, on YouTube. Break us to 100. Break us to 100. Subscribe to our YouTube channel down below at review and preview sports. With that being said, thank you all for viewing tonight. It was a great time talking with you, James. And with that being said, have a great night, everybody. Hope you enjoy the rest of your evening.